Welcome to a new week of Ew, That's Creepy. Jackie and I will be chatting about evil women this week, starting with the murders of Lynn Ann Green and Marskin Lemke, two crimes caused apparently by the evil of the devil. But was that the truth? This episode will discuss murder and violence against a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new week of Ew, That's Creepy podcast. We are back with another episode, and this week's theme is evil women. Eesh. Evil women. Where is Candace DeLong when you need her? Oh, my God. I love Candace DeLong. Meeting her would be, like, my ultimate manifestation. I know. Deadly women. Deadly women slaps. I'm also really excited to tell this week's story. Well, not just tell this week's story, but I'm excited because Jackie and I got a new microphone. And I swear the quality is just crazy good. Chef's kiss. So shout out to my boyfriend. Thanks, babe. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. I will just jump right into the story. Jackie, buckle your ass up. I'm buckled. Good. So today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Lynn Ann Green and the murder of Marston Lemke in 1989. So the story is not very well known, but it did get a little bit more attention because they have a new show on ID that is kind of hosted by Khloe Kardashian. They say hosted, but I think it's one of those where she says like, 30 seconds worth of talking at the beginning and then it's never seen or heard from again the rest oh, of the episode. Oh, really? I've never watched it because, no offense, I didn't really want to... <laughs> I didn't watch this one either. It's called Twisted Sisters. I didn't watch it just because I... I watched the episode of Snapped. Um, this story is also on season 25, episode 7. <laughs> but for Twisted Sisters, this story was actually the pilot episode. So... Oh, wow. Yep. Let's dive right in. So, Lynn Ann Green, our poor victim, her and her husband, David Green, um, we will just start with, so in 1989, they were just your typical married couple with their two-year-old son, Nathaniel. They were members of the Seven-Day Adventist Church, um... And Lynn Ann Green, she was not born in, she wasn't raised in seven-day eventism. She just kind of moved into that after meeting David and moving to Oregon and getting married. David had grown up in a seven-day Adventist household, and him and his family had generations of seven-day Adventist followers in their lineage. So, seven-day Adventist teachings, it's pretty conservative, a pretty, um, it's basically Christianity, but very strict. They focus on the Holy Trinity and scriptures similar to Christianity. Um, they eat kosher foods and promote vegetarianism. 
However, they believe that Saturday is the seventh day of the week and recognize the Sabbath as being on Saturday rather than Sunday. And they also believe and heavily discuss the second coming of Jesus Christ when the world will end. And the religion heavily emphasizes the teaching of Ellen White, who is their founder. Um, they can be pretty extreme because their beliefs are that they believe in the unconscious state of the dead and the doctrine of having investigative judgment. They believe that there is no soul that moves from body to body and death is the end all. There's no further conscious after death. And this belief means that there's no hell to suffer in for those who are bad. They're just permanently destroyed. Which when I read that, I was like, well, what's the difference then if you're permanently bad and if you're good, if not, you just die at the end? Yeah. I don't know. They do believe that angels can contact humans and kind of, like, deliver messages through humans. How? If there aren't spirits. They do believe in... They believe in angels, but they don't believe that people's souls continue on. Okay. And they are strict in that marriage is a binding act by God. God himself is binding you for life. So you already know that means no divorce and absolutely no homosexuality. Bind me. Bind me to you. But, Bind. Ugh. Ew, I hate that phrase, but... <laughs> I know, it reminds me of, like, a book. Like, you're, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, bounding on a book. Yeah. I don't want to be bound like that, to but... Anything. Yeah, so I'm sure you guys can imagine Seven Day Adventist, it's pretty strict, um, not saying anything bad about the people, just the actual teachings are pretty conservative compared to just Christianity today. So David Green, his family grew up close to another family uh, called the Halstead family. And they both were in the Seventh-day Adventist church and had children of the same age. But the Halstead seemed to have a little bit more drama and some, excuse me, some problems in the family. Their daughter, Sharon Halstead, eloped at age 27 to marry a blacksmith, which I guess caused Sharon to be estranged from her family, which then caused her to be estranged from her husband, and they ended up getting divorced. So I think, I don't know why they weren't, they were upset that she married a blacksmith. She's 27 years old, but <laughs> they were mad at that, I guess. And Sharon ended up splitting from her husband, but they did have two children together, two sons. Sharon's sister, Deborah, um, moved from L.A. after Sharon had divorced, and Deborah kind of moved there to help her sister out financially and help raise the boys. So she moved to Grants Pass, Oregon. The two sisters were contacted by their old family friend, David Green, who heard that the sisters were living in the small town of Grants Pass, which was near where he lived, and he invited them to his seven-day Adventist church group. The Halstead sisters joined the group. Everything seemed to be fine. They were quiet, but they did, you know, they were involved in the church and um, very strict in their faith as well. On November 5th, 1989, so let's just get right into the crime because there really is n not any buildup at all. Tell me. Uh, 
Meh. Brace all yourself. Of it, all of it. Give it to me. On, yeah. no- on November 5th, 1989, <laughs> David Green. <laughs> on November 5th, 1989, David Green ran to a neighbor's house, screaming in pain no. and panicking. David was shot in the back and a bullet was lodged in his chest, which was causing his lungs and chest to be filled with blood. Um, police arrived on the scene and David was crying and screaming. They were my friends. Why did they do this? No. Yeah. Police went into David Green's home and what they found was just horrific. So just obviously this next part is going to be disgusting and horrible. Trigger warning. Yeah. When they went in, they found David Green's wife, Lynn, Lynn Ann. I'll just call her Lynn for now. Lynn was shot in the chest and in the head and was already dead by the time that the first police officer arrived. Uh, Investigators determined that both shots were taken at close range and clearly they, Lynn was the target of this attack. Like clearly this was the family were targeted and shot at close range. She, Lynn was murdered basically execution style after the shot to the chest. Um, even worse, their two-year-old son, Nathaniel, was also shot in the chest and was still sitting in his high chair when police arrived. The bullet lodged in Nathaniel's spinal cord, but the good news is that Nathaniel did end up surviving the shooting, but he was paralyzed from the chest down for the rest of his life. Uh, I know. Um, at just two years old. That's horrible. How do you shoot a two-year-old? Sitting in their high chair. Evil. That is messed up. Truly evil. Lynn's purse was missing from the scene. Um, However, investigators did obtain a 175-page journal that was Lynn's. In the journal, there was discussion, you know, about a future apocalypse and how people in the group were talking, how people in the Seventh-day Vintage Church were talking to angels through rituals that they were performing. But investigators assumed that this was just normal practice, and um, there was no mention of David, her, David having any problems, or her have Lynn having any problems with Nathaniel or with the family in the journal. On the wall at the murder scene, on the bathroom wall, the words "trust in Jesus" were written in red lipstick. Okay. Odd. I don't know how I could trust him after seeing that. Yeah, it's very conflicting seeing trust in Jesus when you're seeing just a, a horrific murder scene. A, yes, and a two-year-old is so viciously attacked. They need to trust in Jesus. Um, yeah, they need to find him. Which, honestly. Now, David, like I said, he wasn't a suspect because he was shot in the back and he had so many surgeries after this on his chest, on uh, everything, um, you know, because his chest kept filling with blood and all of that. And David's temperament following the murder was a sign of his innocence. He was very upset and remorseful because he actually could remember the entire event, the entire shooting, and he said he knew who did it. What? Yep. So... Let's just get into um, what David told police when he was able to kind of get himself together. He told police that the night before the murders, David said that the Halstead sisters had come to their home 
without any real reason. They made small talk regarding the church and told them about some kind of extreme beliefs that they were having. And they left after that. And Lynn told David that when they left, her purse was missing. And she obviously assumed that Sharon had taken it because it was there right before they had come over. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. But very weird because just... It's just so weird because they came back the next night and knocked on the door at 10 p.m. She's like, um, you stole my purse? And just asked to come inside like nothing was wrong and that they hadn't come over and stolen the purse the night before. I would have been like, yeah, come in and I'll just shut the door and call the cops since you just stole my stuff. Right. So the Halstead sisters show up at the Green family home the next night. And when they show up, David said they were... It was Sharon and her sister Deborah, and then Sharon's two sons, who were aged 9 and 12. And again, it's 10 o'clock at night. People were already in bed. This was like a small town. David said that they were acting very strange already when they came in. And he first said that they had been acting strange already in the seven-day Adventist church meetings prior to this event. So... David said that the Halstead sisters had begun to believe that angels were speaking directly to their son, Nathaniel, which wasn't totally outlandish, I guess, because in their community, they do believe that that's something that can happen. But Sharon told the Green family that angels were speaking to Nathaniel and telling Nathaniel that demons were in the community. I'll get into that in a second. Um, Either way, David said that the sisters had come into his home on the night of the shooting, and they were kind of talking about that, and then they were talking to each other back and forth, whispering and snickering, and when Lynn asked them what they were talking about, they wouldn't say. I don't like that. Yeah, it was really, that creeped me out. After about a half hour, one of the boys asked to use the restroom, And Lynn reluctantly let them. When they came out and Lynn went into the bathroom, she noticed that the words trust in Jesus were written on the wall in her lipstick. And she came back around the corner and was kind of like, why did you do that? What the hell is going on? It's 10 p.m. What are you guys even doing here? And when Lynn kind of confronted them, and I think she said she was going to call the police, All of a sudden, Sharon pulls out a gun and starts just pointing it at them. Oh, my God. And David said that when he's pointing it at them, that Sharon's youngest son, Leo, who's eight years old, is yelling, or I'm sorry, that her older son, Harry, is yelling that the gun is loaded and she's ready to fire it. And the younger son was apparently waving around a knife. While, while Sharon's sister Deborah spoke into a telephone saying to trust in Jesus. Okay. We have a lot going on here. Yeah, so much. David said in an instant, he just, you know, he was backing towards the door. He said he just turned and ran. He just wanted to call the police and get them over there. And he said, <laughs> as he's running to his neighbors, he feels a shot hit his back. He falls to the ground, but is able to continue. And before he can even get to the neighbors, he hears two shots ring out and then another shot after that. 
And David, unfortunately, assumes that he just heard his wife be executed. The last thing that David noticed, because he was on the porch kind of waiting for the neighbors to answer, and he saw a red pickup truck quickly driving away from the scene, and he assumed that the red truck was the one that the Halstead sisters had been driving. Um, Police just were like, okay, we're going to start there because we don't think that David had anything to do with this based on his injuries. We think his story is legit. Yeah. And it's checking out because they were able to actually find the red pickup truck pretty close by pretty soon after the story. Now, when they find the pickup truck and they run the plates, police are actually pretty surprised because it the pickup truck comes back as stolen And the reason why it's reported as stolen is because the owner was actually murdered three days prior. Oh, that's cool. In a nearby trailer. Nice. So, about three nights before the murder, Michael Halstad, the brother of Sharon and Deborah Halstad, a ranch hand. Devil. Sharon and Devil. (laughs) Satan and Devil Halstad. (laughs) Uh, Michael returned home at a ranch. I think his ranch was about 200 miles away from the Green family home. He returned home and at his trailer on his ranch that he was working at, he found that his home was just completely torn up. There was basically looked like a robbery. There was paper strewn about, but... When he started to look, he realized it wasn't really a robbery because things were just strewn about and there were condiments and stuff like that from the fridge thrown around, which typically robbers don't just throw around your ketchup. And he saw that the letters JC were written on the wall. Jesus Christ. And that was basically his only assumption was either Jesus Christ or the initials of whoever did this. And I don't think that was Jesus. <laughs> he is shocked by this and so he decides to go to see his partner another ranch hand that lived on site in a trailer close by and um the ranch hand's name was marston lemke michael went over to marston's trailer and was going to be kind of like you know did you see what went on And he actually found that, um, I'm sorry, I think I pronounced his name wrong. It says Marston, but I swear in the show they said Marskin. I'll just say Lanky, Mr. Lanky. So, uh, Michael found that his, uh, his assistant was actually deceased in his trailer and had multiple gunshot wounds. Lemke? Yes. No. So, yeah, his assistant... Marskin, Marston, Lemke was deceased. And uh, Michael was shocked because he kind of just was like, this had to have been a robbery because when he actually went over to the trailer, he also found that uh, Mr. Lemke's truck and his horse was stolen. So Michael was like, oh, okay, I guess this was a robbery. But when Michael Halstead had reached out to police... They kind of were thinking that he had something to do with it, and they weren't really looking around all that much until, like I said, they found the red pickup truck. 
and they found the red pickup truck when they were looking for the Halstead sisters. So police put two and two together. This is their brother whose partner was just murdered while he was gone. And the sisters were just accused of murder. So I think it's clear that they were trying to murder their brother and couldn't find him. They're going crazy. Yep. So the Halstead sisters are found by police. I believe they were just found at their home a couple days after the shooting. They didn't even try. No. And they were taken in without a struggle, so they didn't try and get away or anything like that either. The Halstead sisters, Sharon and Deborah, they refused to talk to police. They said they had no statement, no comment about anything. Not even making an excuse or doing anything like that. Just not even talking. Hmm. But the Halstead sons, Sharon's sons, they were willing to talk because they were young and they wanted to tell police what in the hell was going on. So Leo is the youngest. He is nine and his brother Harry is 12 at the time of the murders. Uh... Harry is sometimes referred to in shows as H.M. I'm just going to stick with Harry. Leo and Harry told police that the whole reason why this whole debacle happened is because Sharon began to coach Leo, the youngest, that he was speaking to angels and that angels were telling Leo that people needed to be quote-unquote totaled, which was the word that Sharon Hall said said was being possessed by demons basically so you're totaled is you are totally possessed i guess by demons and you need to be fixed that's weird sharon would refer to this angel as the naked truth it's so creepy I don't like any of this. And she, okay, she's trying to say that her son came up with this. Like, you mean to tell me a nine-year-old is like, I'm speaking with the naked truth. Yeah, I don't believe that for a second. But Leo and Harry, like I said, from the time they were taken into custody, they told police that Sharon was making them say these things. Leo claimed that his mother would tell the children that anyone who was totaled deserved to not have rights under the church. Uh, and this meant that they could be stolen from, which they would do that. Leo and Harry would help their mother steal from people. This later turned to them assaulting people. Um, they would slash people's tires and do things like that, which then escalated to being told that someone was If they were totaled, they're completely controlled by the devil. And the only way to fix that is to execute them. Okay. That sounds like brainwashing. Yep. So as if, as if it wasn't bad enough that Sharon Halstead was making her sons steal small items and things she needed, slashing people's tires and then stealing vehicles, cars, motorcycles. She decided that she needed to take them with her when she goes to murder people. So the boys realized, you know, how serious this was when their mother said that their uncle Michael was now totaled and that they needed to go to his house to take care of it. So Sharon takes the boys on um, in November of 1989 to Michael Halstead's ranch, the Clackamas County Ranch. 
And Sharon claims that Leo informed her that the naked truth informed him that the men at Clackamas County Ranch were now possessed. So Sharon takes the boys there expecting to see Michael and they go into Michael's trailer and he is not there. Sharon is clearly upset. She's mad that she she was expecting to kill her brother on site, basically. <laughs> and he wasn't there. So she just tells the boys to basically trash the house. And the oldest boy um, admits to he just wrote on the wall. So Harry was like, yeah, I just kind of wrote something on the wall. Oh, just to be a little piece of... I guess, but he's only 12, so he doesn't really know. Yeah, I I take that back. He's not, but still. Yeah. And so they basically just trash the trailer and throw all the condiments around and leave. And Sharon then tells the boys that to go down to the other trailer and they want to see what Marskin Lenke's up to. The boys told police that Marskin answered the door and asked what Sharon wanted, and she just shot him. And the boy said that he said to her, you shot me, why did you shoot me? And he, Sharon just continued to shoot at him and executed him, basically. Mm-hmm. For no other reason than just being mad that her brother wasn't there. But she's telling her sons that he's totaled, and telling police that her son, Leo, is the one telling her they're totaled. Sharon then left in Marskin's truck, took his horse, and took the trailer. I don't think actually the huge trailer, but, like, the trailer with the horse in it. Like they were going to go with. I know. Right after the murder of Marskin Lanky, Sharon Halstead immediately is just shifts gears and is plotting the murder of the Green family. She told police that Leo had pointed at them during church and said that they were totaled. Leo and his brother, Harry, both agree that they never once said anyone was totaled and that um, Sharon had told them that the Green family were totaled and controlled by the devil and that they needed to take care of it. Sharon uh, stated, though, that she feared her sister Deborah and two sons would be totaled if she did not take the lives of uh, the Green family. She It doesn't make any sense. She was like, I thought that my sister and my sons would be possessed if I didn't kill those who were possessed. How would that even make what? sense? Yeah. Okay. I know. Like, no. But okay. So... Leo and Harry, they just told police every detail of the murder that they remembered. They said that they went to the home, like I said, with the intentions of taking care of it. They said their mother premeditated this and prepared to murder them. The boys were very upset and they told police that um, they had went into the home and that, you know, like they said, that Leo, the youngest, had went into the bathroom, um, or either one of them had written on the wall. Lynn came out, confronted Sharon. Sharon just pulled the weapon out without warning, and they, she kind of struggled with Lynn. Um, Sharon and Lynn kind of struggled back and forth for the gun, and Sharon just shot Lynn in the chest and then in the head. The Halstead boys said that when the uh, Lynn was shot that the son Nathaniel started to yell and wave around in his high chair 
and Sharon turned and just shot Nathaniel without hesitation while he was still in the high chair. Following the murders, Sharon Hall said, uh, took the boys and her sister to McDonald's. She got the group dinner and just went home and went to bed. Like, nothing had ever happened. Oh, wow. Like, she didn't just try to execute a, a two-year-old yeah. and his a literal child. his parents. So, that was that. Um, when taken in, it's weird because... All these documents with Sharon saying that people were totaled and saying that she admitting to killing them, but she only said that she killed them because she believed that her sons and Deborah were going to be totaled if she didn't murder the Green family. That was all in court documents. Sharon has never had a like a public interview or actually had the documents go public or anything like that. So they went to trial. Neither sister admitted to anything, but Deborah first made the decision to plead guilty to conspiracy rather than to first degree murder. Deborah actually didn't commit the crimes or anything. She was just there, but she did take the, the guilty plea and was charged with conspiracy and sentenced to 20 years in prison with the possibility of parole after nine years. What? Deborah Halstead was released in 2008, and I read she returned to California. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Sharon Halstead also decided in late 1989 to change her plea to guilty of attempted murder and aggravated murder, as long as the prosecution took the death penalty off the table, which they agreed to. And even though Sharon changed her plea to guilty, she still to this day claims that her son Leah was the reason she committed these crimes. Again, she doesn't really ever speak to the public or anything, so there's never actually records of her saying this. Just the she said that in court and she never has come forward saying anything else. Sharon Hall said was sentenced to 75 years in prison without the possibility of parole and her sons were then put into foster care. Hmm. Sharon's sons, Leo, and the older son, Harry, or H.M. Shively, that's their last name now, they've both been very outspoken about the events. Um, I believe that H.M. was the host of the, not host, but he narrated some of the Twisted Sisters show, and both Leo and H.M. are on Snapped and give interviews. Wow. Both boys state that they never once heard angels speaking to Leo or said that angels were speaking to Leo. They definitely did not claim anybody is possessed by the devil or anybody is totaled or totaling anyone. And even if the boys did so say those things, that does not give... They're kids. That does not... Yep. Doesn't give Sharon the right to go out and murder or steal or teach her sons to uh-uh. do those things. Mm-mm. The boys say to this day that they experience extreme guilt because of their actions and because, you know, obviously they're going to feel like they could have prevented this. And they also witnessed murders at such a young age. Yeah, I'm sure that's traumatizing you by your mother. And they say it's frustrating knowing that she has never taken responsibility and just continues to blame them for this. Again, even if they were speaking these stories... 
doesn't give you the right to go out and kill people of it. No, especially when they're, like, literally children. Exactly. <laughs> you evil troll witch. Wench. David Green, poor man, has been outspoken regarding the events. He always has stated that he really regrets running and not making an effort to save his wife or to save his son. Hmm. I, um... Like I said before, Nathaniel is now paralyzed from the chest down and has been since the shooting. So that just causes even more regret for David, even though obviously he's happy that Nathaniel survived. Nathaniel, um, that's kind of the biggest tragedy of this. Obviously, besides Lynn losing her life, is that Nathaniel was just innocent sitting in his high chair and is now paralyzed forever. And Lynn is now deceased. And for really what other reason? There was no reason, even if you did believe this wild story about possession and things like that, who gives you the right to kill people? Okay, I'm seriously convinced that this woman is just, like, actually evil or crazy. I I don't even understand what the word totaled means like where she got that word from but something about her using that phrase of like everybody is getting totaled in this whole story reminds me of something with Lori Vallow like I don't know why that cult feeling is giving me mega Lori Vallow vibes I really wish I wondered or I wish I could know when the first time she like came up with these phrases was and if it just she was like, oh, total, that's the word I'm going to use from the start. Or if it's just, she, she like escalated her phrases. Like if it started with, I don't know, what's a different word for total? I thought the same thing about them. Just, she could have said they're ruined or they're, I honestly have no idea. And I wish they could say where the word totaled came from. I think she just heard that word. And at one point was like, that, that's a word that a nine year old would use. Yeah, it does almost sound childlike. It's like, because wasn't there some sort of word that, oh, Lori Mallow, it was the zombie thing. She was like, they've turned into a zombie or whatever. But I can see where you're, where you're getting a reference there with the two of them. I could see it. Something just with her phrasing of it is just, to me, that's like full on crazy because I feel like you're picking a word that in and of itself sounds a little bit manipulative to a child. Total sounds to me like they're completed, like there's no fixing them. So it's just so manipulative for her to even use these phrases yeah. with kids. It's kind of obvious with the use of the word total that she's the one who made it up in the first place. <laughs> but... Um, as far as any psychological testing on Deborah or Sharon Halstead, I, there is not any that I know of because the story was from 1989, like I said. Um, but that unfortunately is the story of the Halstead sisters and unfortunately the murder of Lynn Green and the unfortunate murder of, um, Marskin Lenke. Wow, that was like literally for no reason. Yeah, evil. Truly just your evil. For no reason at all. I know, it's really sad. That's tough. I know, but um, yeah, like I said, if you guys want to re get more on that story, I did not watch Twisted Sisters, so you guys watch, let me know how it is. 
you know that Snapped always comes through. They did. It was a great episode, like always. David yeah. Green is also on the interview or on the episode and interviewed. So go give that one a listen. Let us know what you think. I think Jackie's episode yes. is going to be even more evil mine than is mine. Horrific. So So if you thought this one was bad, maybe just wait till next week in the next theme. Yeah, maybe don't if you thought this one was bad. Don't listen to mine, but I'll give a longer trigger warning in the next episode before I tell it. Yes. But thank you guys so much for listening. We Thank you guys. We appreciate every single one of you. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.